Good morning. I will uh, never think of that particular song in the same way again after I read the story in a book that I was uh, look reading recently. And um, it was by a pastor, and he's a pastor of a pretty large church in Georgia. And <coughs> their roof was leaking. And so they got estimates to uh, see about replacing the roof, and it was going to be a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, that's how large this church was, and they just didn't have the money. So he said, <laughs> at this point, he started praying every, every week that it wouldn't rain on Sunday, you know, that there would be, <laughs> well, one particular Sunday, um, the band starts, the worship team starts to play that song, and he's like, oh, God, no, not now. Please not now. <laughs> well, th there was a visitor there, and he could see her from where he was sitting, and he could see that these drops of water were coming down and were hitting her on the head. <laughs> he's just like, you know, just feeling awful. And, and then it got worse because she comes up to him after the service and goes, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> but when we were singing that song, I actually felt it raining. And, and he's sitting there the whole time like, well, do I say anything or you know, do I take away this? spiritual moment from this woman. And in the end, he chose not to say anything and repent for it later, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I want to begin the new year uh, really with a big thank you. And I want to thank all of the folks who volunteer their time each week so that we can actually have a service. Um, Jesus told us that he came to serve and not to be served. And so uh, by the level of commitment that you all show each and every week uh, about how you have chosen to steward your time and your talent, you're truly following uh, the example that Jesus gave us. And so as we prepare, prepare to bless and to pray over our offering, um, I want us to remember that it's not always just about monetary treasure, right? It's also about time and about talent and about touch and our volunteers, uh, whether they're on the worship team, the folks that are back there in the sound booth that you never see, uh, unless you're intentional about looking at them, uh, but they're back there every week, and they make it possible for us to do this live stream. They're waving, so we'll wave back at them. Um, Barbara, who's here every week, greeting people and kind of making sure that you, uh, you have uh, everything that you need. Um, we're the beneficiaries of all that they do. Um, and so we just really, I just really wanted to uh, thank all of you guys for serving us so well, uh, that you reflect the life of Jesus. And uh, you're the ones that help our mission and our vision become a reality. Uh, and we really, we love you, and we couldn't do it without you. So let's pray over our offering this week. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can always trust in you, and that you are an abundant God. And out of your great love and your mercy, you give us so much. And so as an act of our heartfelt gratitude, we give you our tithes and our offerings. With them, we worship you and we acknowledge your blessings upon us. Please now take them and use them for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply their reach and their influence, and may they be a great blessing to many. We ask this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
So, last year at this very time, starting uh, the new year 2020, um, we started a series called I Love My Church. And uh, in that series, we talked about uh, things such as our vision, we talked about the importance of being a community of believers and those kinds of things. Um, and we're reprising it this year, but in a little bit different uh, way. And so over the course of this series this year, we want to focus on the kind of place that we desire for this church to be. That when somebody comes in here, these are the characteristics that sort of stand out uh, among others. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to cover six different characteristics uh, that I think are part and parcel of this place that we call Harmony Vineyard. And that is that we want it to be a place of his presence, a place of miracles, a place for the broken, a place for family, and a place of generosity. And today, I, I want to lead off our new series with what I think is maybe the most important uh, of those characteristics. And that is that Harmony Vineyard would be a place of prayer. Now, there's a passage of scripture in which Jesus uses almost those exact words. Um, it's a story that appears in all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there's a somewhat different version of it in John, but uh, nonetheless, it's, uh, it's very similar. We're going to look at Matthew's version today, which is Matthew uh, chapter 21. And I'm just going to focus on verses 12 and 13, <coughs> primarily 13. So let's look at 12 and 13 now. It says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written in my house, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Now the backstory of this particular verse is that this is shortly after Jesus has entered Jerusalem, uh, if you recall the story of him coming uh, on seated on the back of a donkey and the crowd is praising him, it's this really triumphant procession into the city. Crowds got really stirred up about this, right? They, all, they were lining the roadway where he, when he came in um, and pretty much the whole city was kind of stirred up by this thing. They were all referring to him as the son of David and as the prophet from Galilee. And so soon thereafter, depends on which of the, the versions you read, most agree that it was probably the next day, not that particular day, but the next day, he goes to the temple and he sees the temple filled with merchants and with animals and these money changers and he gets upset, he gets angry and he disrupts everything by turning over the tables and just generally causing a big ruckus or disturbance. And then he calls the temple his house, and he says that it's to be called a house of prayer. Now, actually, he's quoting from Isaiah when he says this. And so, in the context of the passage, it's likely that Jesus is upset at those who sort of changed the character of the temple from being a place of prayer into a place of corrupt commercialism. Now, this started out as a pretty innocent practice, that, that this was a way that the people who were coming there to worship, specifically at the feast days, they could buy 
an animal that they needed for a sacrifice. But then something, I guess somebody saw a buck in it, and it got twisted at that point. And so what happened was there were those who started to insist that uh, in the temple people couldn't use money that had been circulating out in society. So you had to come in there and you had to change the money that you had that you'd been spending on food or whatever, pots, <laughs> and change it for holy money that could be used to buy something in the temple. Okay, But of course you paid a fee for it, right? Uh, and then you could use that money to pay for whatever it was that you were buying for your sacrifice. Now, of course, that's extortion, and it was completely contrary to the business that the temple was to be about. So that's, the, that's sort of the context for the story. Now, I would imagine that a lot of time when this passage gets preached, it's presented from the perspective of Jesus' humanity in the fact that he's given over to anger like the rest of us. And I would imagine you know, a lot of people take comfort in that, right? Well, Jesus got angry, so it's okay if I get angry. And I'm not saying that's okay, but we do know that anger is a, a natural emotion to things. We're just not supposed to dwell on it. So when I first looked at this particular text for this message today, which the subject of which is not anger, but prayer, Honestly, wasn't, wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And in fact, I started looking at some other passages that I thought might fit it better, you know, in regards to the church being a place of prayer. But God kept drawing me back to this particular passage. So I just sat looking at it for quite a while. Um, and suddenly... I saw what I believe God was trying to show me in this particular passage about how it relates to prayer. And it's this. When a church is not a place of prayer, it figuratively becomes a den of robbers because it robs people of God's blessing. When a church is not a place of prayer, it figuratively becomes a den of robbers because it robs people of God's blessing. In other words, when God's people don't pray, people miss out on blessings. And that's people in the church, that's people outside the church. So the question then is, well, how do we become a place of prayer and, and stop doing that? Well, I think once a church gets serious about being a place of prayer, and you could also think of it as just having a culture of prayer, I think, would be another way to look at it, calling it a place of prayer. When they get serious about praying for that, praying, that's when that begins to happen. And so at this point, a lot of folks would ask, well, then what do we pray about? Now, the obvious answer would be everything, right? And that would be correct, in, in, with perhaps some qualifications here and there. But essentially, you can pray for anything and everything. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, you know, for some people, that's kind of overwhelming. 
you know, someone says, well, what should I pray about? And you say, well, you can pray for anything. It's like, well, that's not a whole lot of help. I mean, I was kind of looking for some specifics. And so I think that uh, what, I, what I believe I was supposed to do today is to actually show you specifics and take them straight out of God's word. And so what I did was I did a search. I have computer software. And I did a search on the word pray in the New Testament. So anytime the word pray or prayer is used, um, it filled up my search. And I came up with 27 specific instances of prayer in the New Testament. And so what, we're going to go through those. We're not going to spend a ton of time on them. But what I hope to do with this is to really show you the specific instances that people back in the New Testament times either did pray for or said we should pray for, or said their contemporaries should pray for, me, which translates to us, right? Okay, so what should we pray for? Everybody loves this one. Now, John, when you were, where's John? John, when you were in seminary, did they talk about something they called like the rule of first mention? Okay. Now, I don't know that this is not a law or anything, but when I was in seminary, they talked about that when the first time you encounter something in Scripture, a particular word or a concept or whatever, that you should pay special attention to it. Well, the very first time the word pray is used in the New Testament is this verse. And these are Jesus' words. So do you think this idea of praying for your enemies and persecutors is important? And then in fact, of course, later on at the end of his life, his earthly life, Jesus demonstrates this very verse. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So it comes full circle in the life of Jesus. So enemies and persecutors, we should pray for those, right? Children. Matthew 19, 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Trials. Matthew 26. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So this was the ultimate trial, right? Jesus is going through, this is him praying in the garden. Saying, I don't want to do this. How many times are we faced with, I don't want to do this <laughs> in our own lives? Or are our friends faced with those kinds of decisions and trials? Temptation. It's pretty much a universal issue, I would think. If you're not, if you don't deal with this, could I have like a minute or two of your time after the service? <laughs> I would really like to talk to you about how you've managed that. Um, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Your relationship with God. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, and he is Jesus in this instance, departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. So Jesus was working on his relationship with God pretty much on a daily basis. I mean, you find scripture very similar to this scattered throughout the New Testament. This was obviously something that was a practice in his life. Deliverance. 
This is the one that we don't like to talk about in the church, right? And again, this is Jesus saying, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And so we're, we're clearly empowered to pray for people that may be dealing with some sort of an evil spirit. Perseverance. Luke 18, 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is the um, story of the persistent widow. This is what is, is precedes that. Strength. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that, that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So when you're lacking strength, he tells us to pray. Decisions. This is from Acts. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. So this was when the, they were trying to replace Judas as one of the apostles. And what did they do? They prayed. Holy Spirit impartation. Again from Acts. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Interesting verse, right? They'd been baptized, but evidently something was missing. They still needed to be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. Here's another favorite of everybody. Raising the dead. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, are we all going to do that? No. Are any of us going to do that? I don't know. Point is, we're supposed to do that. Healing the sick. <clears throat> And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. That is something that we can all do. <clears throat> and granted, there are some people that may have a greater anointing for that particular ministry, but we've had all kinds of people over the course of the years we've been a church pray for someone and have had things happen. In other words, where they've been healed or some condition um, has been cured or fixed. Uh, I'll brag on my wife a little bit here because there was an instance where, um, I don't remember who we had here. It was somebody from the outside, some guest speaker. And we were here one night and we were just, we were praying, trying things. And so we had a guy who, it happened right over there. Was, he had been having issues with his hips or, or something. And so we checked, and one leg was shorter than the other. And so Sally prayed for him, and we stood around, and we watched his leg grow. Now, there's a, an afterword to that particular story. He went to the doctor shortly thereafter for a physical. And the doctor came in, he's like, 
because he was, what, probably in his 40s, 50s? So not a teenager. They told him that he had grown an inch. That is awesome, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? That was so cool. How about opportunities? That without ceasing, I mentioned to you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So Paul in Romans is praying for an opportunity that he's looking for to be able to go and see them. Salvation of others. Again in Romans, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. How about spiritual gifts? Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So he's praying for the gift of interpretation of tongues. Wouldn't you naturally assume that that means, and Paul also says that we're to ask for gifts. I think that could be translated as pray. And so here we have it that we're supposed to ask and pray for these things. How about restoration? For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. So if someone has slipped, uh, maybe in their walk, it's not where they want it to be, maybe that's you, you can pray that God will restore you back to where you were. Empowerment. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. This sermon is a note-taker's dream, by the way. You notice that? If you like notes, this is the, this is the message for you. <laughs> Lazy. I know. And, and believe me, if you want a copy of this, let me know, and I will make it available. And I had thought of that ahead of time, that... I, because I knew I was going to have to go through this in kind of a hurry, otherwise we'd be here till 6. Other believers, <clears throat> praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Supplication is a synonym for prayer or pleading. Evangelism. Very next verse. <clears throat> and also making supplication for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. <clears throat> Abounding love. And it is my prayer that your love may be abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. <clears throat> How about just our needs? <clears throat> well, in Philippians it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You want to know God's will? Well, it says here we can pray for it. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God's power. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? Let 
him pray. Illness. Is anyone among you sick? If anyone sees his... Oh, excuse me. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing, with oil, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. How about sinners? Is it really okay to pray for sinners? Yes. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, we shall ask, and God will give him life. And then finally, strong faith. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So there's 27 specific examples of things that are absolutely 100% scriptural prayers. Now, does this mean there aren't other things that you can pray for? No. It's not, that's not a complete list. And like I said, if you want it, email me, text me, let me know, and I will put this in a form and, and get it sent out so that you can, uh, you can have it if you want it. All right, so to conclude this, <clears throat> I saw this particular article on the Babylon Bee website. And if you're not familiar with the Bee, it's a satirical Christian website um, that I, <laughs> I find it funny. Not, maybe not everybody does. I think it's extremely funny that they get censored by Facebook all the time because uh, Facebook says it's fake news. Well, it's supposed to be fake news. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? So here was, the, here was the story that caught my eye. I would take a bullet for my faith, says man who won't pray in public because it's weird and awkward. <laughs> okay, I'll read you the story now. This is Oak Falls, New, headline Oak Falls, New York. Local Christian man Brad Lindsay says he would take a bullet for his faith. If Christianity were illegal, I would boldly stand up for Jesus and be imprisoned or die for my faith, he told reporters. I'm not one to shy away from boldly identifying myself with Jesus and the gospel in a completely hypothetical scenario where someone comes up to me and threatens to shoot me for believing in God, I would definitely be brave enough to take a stand for him. However, investigative reporters have confirmed that Lindsay always feels a little awkward when he has to pray for his meal in public. So he usually just won't do it. On the rare occasions when he does, the man times his prayers so that the waiter won't come back and interrupt it, which would create a little bit of an awkward situation. He also is careful to pray quietly so that no one looks at him funny. <clears throat> I mean, I don't want it to get weird, he said. Can you imagine if we were in the middle of the prayer and the waiter asked us if we needed anything else? <coughs> that would be so off-putting. And I don't want to make things uncomfortable. You know what? If we're going to create a culture of prayer in this church, we're all going to have to get over ourselves and be okay with being uncomfortable. Being a place of prayer or embracing a culture of prayer means that you've got to be uncomfortable in a whole host of situations. It means stopping and praying for someone as soon as they mention anything that sounds like a prayer need, whether you're in church or in the grocery store. 
Now in church, about half the people might feel comfortable praying. <clears throat> in the grocery store? Still going to do it? Good for you. What else does it mean? It means that when we have a time of corporate prayer, <coughs> excuse me, you make plans to be here for it. Especially if you're uncomfortable with those times of prayers or praying out loud. See, here's the thing, and this was something I learned in this course that I was taking that was sort of focused on prayer. When you really stop and think about what in New Testament times, there were very, very few manuscripts. There were no books, but there were very few manuscripts, and most of the people didn't even know how to read. So how did they learn how to pray? They didn't go on Amazon and get a book that says how to pray. No, they learned by listening to the way other people prayed. The only way that you're going to learn in that fashion is to be around other people when they're praying out loud. So if that's something that's uncomfortable for you, then feel free to, you know, I, I invite you to come and to, um, to be a part of our prayer times. Oh, look at this. Perhaps. Excuse me. That's right. Thank you. Here's something else it means, and this is an uncomfortable thing for a lot of people. It means if you need prayer and you're here on a Sunday morning, you get up out of your seat and you come see someone who's standing up here offering prayer. I, c I find it hard to believe that on any given Sunday, there's only one person, if that, who comes up front on, and, and asks for prayer for something. <clears throat> I mean, really? You all are doing that? Well, you should have my job. <laughs> and I'll, I'll sit up. We've got to get, again, we've got to get over ourselves, and we've got to get over, well, everybody's looking at me. No, they're not. They're not looking at you. You just think they are. Come up front and get prayer. Or if you're watching online, post a prayer request. Now, you don't have to go into a lot of detail if you don't want to. I realize that's a very public forum and other people can see. But... Let's just say you're, go there's, you're going through something in your life. All you would have to do is put trial. One word, a couple of words. That'll be enough that we can actually then pray for that, for you in particular. <clears throat> it means believing that you have just as much kingdom authority as I do and so you volunteer to be on our Sunday morning prayer team. So it's not always the pastors who are up here praying for other people. I know that's hard for some people to hear that, you've, you know, maybe you've grown up in a church setting where that's not the way you were taught. That's not the way you understood it. But it's absolutely the truth. I'm up here not because I'm somebody special, but because God called me to do this particular job. But it doesn't mean I'm holier than anybody or that I have more of God than anybody else does. We're all equal in that sense. 
And so, you know, and if, you've, if you're new to doing it, we're not, we won't throw you up here all by yourself. We will have somebody accompany you so that we, and we, there are some things that we'll teach you because we do have to be a little bit careful with what we say and what we tell people when we pray for them, right? So we'll train you in order to do that. So here's the thing. <clears throat> you don't have to take a bullet for God. Just be willing to be a little uncomfortable. And if we would all commit to doing that, then I truly believe that we will see this place become a place of prayer. Let's pray. Yes. Sure. And we remember the Pharisees who would pray long, verbose prayers. And a man got up and said, Father, I'm just a sinner. It was just simple. But one thing I've learned from my spiritual father is that, and they have 17 prayer meetings a week in their church, but there's only two or three people that come, maybe four or five, but they're in all hours of the day. But he said this, and, and I remember the, the passage in Acts 4 where it says that, you know, they were being threatened. And, and so they all came together and they lifted up their voice and prayed for the spirit of boldness. These people already were bold. But they prayed for the spirit of boldness. And John makes this comment. He said, you know, we pray oftentimes, you know, based on our feeling or an opportune time but he said we could actually pray more by asking for the spirit of prayer to come upon us hmm. thank you well father I, I just pray for that right now I pray that the spirit of boldness would descend right now and would light and touch upon every person gathered here. That we would all become more bold in who we would pray with, in how we would pray, in where we would pray. That every aspect of prayer that requires boldness in some sense would be enhanced. Lord, I, I thank you for the revelation that you showed me in looking at this particular verse. We do not want this church to be a den of robbers. We're keeping people from the blessings that you have for them simply because we were too afraid or too embarrassed or too timid to pray for them. So Father, grant us that boldness now. And Lord, I pray that you would present each and every one of us here today with an opportunity within the next seven days 
to exercise that boldness. And that in doing so, that these people would see your kingdom advance and understand that they all, we all, are the front lines in a war. So, Father, I thank you for that. And I pray that next week we would have at least a couple of testimonies from people that took, that seri- that took this seriously and went out and actually prayed for someone in a place that was uncomfortable, but they did it anyway, and that both they and the person that they prayed for were blessed by it. So, Father, now, before we end our service today, we want to close with the celebration of the Last Supper. And so we recall that on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread, and he gave thanks for it, and then he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take this, all of you, and eat for this is my body given for you. And then he took the cup and again gave thanks for it. This too he gave to his disciples and said, take this all of you and drink, for this is my body, this is my blood shed for you. blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins so that whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup do so and remember me now I saw some people scrambling around does everybody have you all good now we've ordered more but they haven't come yet so we're sort of down to our last um, remaining few of those so I just want to make sure there's some around we just is everybody good okay so, Lord, I just I pray uh, a blessing now upon these elements of bread and cup that you would consecrate them now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to be your body and blood for us. And that by partaking of this sacrament that we would remember the great sacrifice that you made on our behalf. So we give you thanks and praise for it. the body of Jesus given for you. And the blood of Jesus shed for you. for a moment.
one of those risky things when uh, you think you hear God, you're not quite sure. But my sense is that somebody here today, either in person or online, is going to have a prayer encounter with someone this week that will result in a conversion. So, Father, we just pray that that is, in fact, your voice speaking. And we look forward to hearing about it next week. Chip, would you come? Amen. I have a few prayer requests <laughs> through Facebook. Amen. And of course, we'll have our ministry time in a moment. Pastor John will come up and we'll, we'll be up here to pray for you. A couple things. Um, I felt the Lord kind of speaking. There's someone, uh, again, whether you're here or online, I don't know the situation. I get a sense that you're feeling like there's something going on in your life where you're having to start over. I don't know if it's you're learning something new, you're getting a divorce, you got a new job, whatever. But there's some hesitancy, some fear. And I just want to tell you, the Lord said, chill. <laughs> He's got you. New beginnings are his thing. That's what he likes to work out. I also got there's someone with a, a spirit of rage. You're flying to, into rage and into anger very quickly and very easily. And you're sick of it. <laughs> And I just, I'm going to pray for you right now that God would set you free. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, whoever that person is, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon them right now in this moment. We bind the power of that spirit of rage, God, and we command it to go in Jesus' name right now. We command a complete freedom in the name of Jesus. And we believe you for it, Lord. Father, for some of the prayer requests on Facebook, Lord, we pray for Kinsey's toe, Lord, that you would touch that, God, and, and work with that. Lord, we pray for Jolene, who's saying that she has some lab work coming up for a hip replacement. Lord, I pray that that lab work comes out good, but even more so, I pray that that hip would be restored right now supernaturally in Jesus' name, that all pain would go, because, Lord, you tell us all things are possible. So, Father, for every person here, Every person online. Let this get so deep into us that it becomes a natural thing to pray, a natural thing to reach out and say, I'm praying for you right now, right here. Lord, we know people will look at us funny and people will think that person's weird. But I know one thing, God, when miracles start taking place, people will notice that too. When healing starts taking place, people will notice that too. And when they say, what is going on? We can tell them this isn't some pseudoscience, new age. This is the power of our Lord Jesus Christ who is alive today. And he's still working and he's still moving. So Lord, bless every person here, God. If someone needs something, God, for prayer, Take away any of that anxiety of coming forward and getting prayer, Lord. The devil wants nothing more than for people to feel like everybody's watching them and they're going to think something's wrong with them because he wants to keep you in bondage. If you're not living in spiritual abundance, you're probably living in bondage because that's what the Bible says. Thief came to rob, steal, kill, destroy, you know, all that stuff. So, Lord, help them. Help me. Help all of us. Thank you for this incredible message today, God. We love you. We honor you. And we come in agreement that 
2021, Lord, is going to be an amazing year for your kingdom, God, and that we're going to participate in that. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Give him praise.